I'm going to look at the scripture again this afternoon in 1 Thessalonians and chapter 3. <coughs> We've previously looked at chapter 1 and chapter 2 and noted that each chapter mentions the coming again of the Lord Jesus. So the whole letter is written in the, with the context of expectation. And two things in relation to that. If it has, said, if it has been said that the Lord is coming, and he is, it's a promise. And that promise will be fulfilled. <clears throat> the first coming of Jesus in the Old Testament was prophetical. And it became historical when Jesus came to earth. So right through the ages of the Old Testament, the coming of Jesus was announced in one way or another. And it's a, it was a prophecy that he would come. When he did come, it became historical. Now, the second coming of our Lord Jesus is again prophetical in our day. But it will become historical when he does come back to earth. So it's important that we have an understanding of the coming again of our Lord Jesus. Now, in our reading of chapter 3, where we're up to, in our reading of chapter 3, um, I want you to try and pick out three things. Three things we can do when we know that someone is facing problems or difficulties. What could we do? Now I'm going to read the chapter. And I want you to think about it in that way. If we know someone who is facing problems or difficulties, what could we do? Let's read in chapter 3. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Now he's writing to Christians in Thessalonica. He had visited there. He had suffered persecution there. He had to leave from there. And now he's up in Athens and he's write, writing back to them. So he says, When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, 
When we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecutions, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. What were three things that could be what are three things that could be done if um, we know of someone who's facing problems and difficulties? What could we do? Encourage. Encourage them? By what way? Yeah, that's true, we can encourage them. By what way? What did Paul speak about in this chapter? We could go to them. Paul himself wasn't able to go at that time. But he did send Timothy. And Timothy came back with a report of how well they were doing. So the first thing, if we know of someone who um, is facing difficulty or problems, we could go to them. Or if we can't go, we could maybe think of someone else who would be suitable to go and to help, help us in our need. So we could go to them. What else could we do? We could pray for them. That's what verse 10 says. In uh, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So we can pray for them. What else was Paul doing? He was writing to them. That's it. So we could go to them, we could pray for them, or we could write to them. Three things that we might encourage others in their difficulties and their, their times of hardship. But 
How did he pray for them? What did he pray for them? Let's have a look at verse 11. So chapter 3 and verse 11. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. So um, we, we can help them in personal things. The believers at Thessalonica wanted Paul's presence again so he could help them in, in their trials and difficulty because they were suffering persecution because of their faith in Christ. So um, Paul is writing to them to encourage them and that they might be able to stand firm and sure in the trust that they have in Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 11 of here, may he clear the way for us to come to you. So we can pray for personal things, both in our lives and theirs. They would want to see Paul, and Paul wants to see them. So we can pray for personal things. We can show our love for them. In verse 12, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So our love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. We should be known as those who are able to show a kind of love that is above what is generally accepted in this world. A love that comes from God. And then in verse 13, he says, May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So um, we pray for them that their hearts might be strengthened, that their inner being might be uh, able to be open and accepting of what God wants to do through them because he is going to come and then the difficulties and problems we have will be released. But we'll also rejoice it at that time in what God was able to do through us and for us through others. And so we can re rejoice in the fact that the Lord is coming. Now, we noticed uh, uh, previously that the coming again of Jesus is mentioned in every chapter. So in, in, verse, in chapter 1, we said in the context of the whole book, in the context of expectation, because if it's mentioned in every chapter, he, he's expecting it. And he tells us when, but he's expecting it. So in the context of that, in chapter 1, we can live in relaxation. We notice that. He says that we wait. It doesn't mean that we do nothing. But we don't become overburdened with anxiety. He says we live in relaxation while we wait for his son from heaven. And we know that his promises are true. 
And not only will he come, but he will rescue us. That's what chapter 1 says. He will rescue us from the wrath that is coming. Then in chapter 2, we noticed last time that we can live in, in contemplation in relation to the coming of Jesus. We can have a confidence. We can contemplate. We can think over whenever we want to. We can think over the things that he has said. And what he has said he will do gives us a confidence. We can think about the ones that we will meet there, as he mentions at the end of chapter 2. The different ones that we will meet when the Lord comes. And we, will, we can um, contemplate and think about how the word of God can operate in our lives. Because after all, that's what God has given us. He has given us his word. He has given us the Holy Spirit as well. And he can lead us into all truth. So in, in relation to the coming of the Lord, we can live in relaxation, just knowing that it's going to happen. Things that we should do, but we don't have to become anxious. And in chapter 2, we can live in contemplation. But now in chapter 3, we have another thought. We can um, live in consecration, both for God and for others. And I, I was wondering what that would look like. So in verse 7, follow it through with me. In verse 7, this is what it says. So I'm just going to move aside. This is getting in my face. <laughs> It's all right, don't worry about this. Um, I'm about to bite it, I think. In verse 7 of chapter 3, this is what he says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. What does living in consecration mean? It means that we keep our faith in God. We keep our faith in God. Doesn't matter what World Economic Forum or the World Bank or all those sorts of things that are trying to impose a, a worldwide control over everything. We can live and we can live in consecrate, consecration and keep our faith in God. In verse 8, it says that we can... Stand firm in the Lord. His word, his promises. We can stand firm in the Lord. Verse 9, it says that, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? They were standing firm in the Lord. So we can rejoice in those things uh, and defend the truth of the gospel. And in verse 13, may he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father and our Lord Jesus when he comes with all his holy ones. We are living righteously, doing what is right all the time until he comes. Verse 12, 
he says something about may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. So that um, our love overflows and if we want to know what love is, what, how do we show love? How do we do this love that he's talking about? Well, I just want to mention to you the, the things that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says when Paul speaks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonour others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil. But it rejoices in truth. And it always trusts, hopes and perseveres. So in verse 13 here of our chapter he says, May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. That we may be devoted to the Lord in the service of others until he comes. That's consecration. And in view of the coming of our Lord Jesus again, then we should be about these things that Paul is speaking of here. Um, so, the Lord is coming. And he wants us to be devoted to himself until he comes. But he also says that our love should overflow for others. When he comes... He won't be alone. It says that he's going to come with all his holy ones. Not only the angels of heaven, but those who have lived since the time of Christ. And even before, but particularly those who have lived since the time of Christ till now and have died. They're going to be brought together and we with them and will go to be it says in the scripture to be forever with the Lord and in so doing we escape the wrath to come you see the Lord has promised that in his coming, he's going to deal with the injustices of earth. He's going to deal with the sinfulness of those who are on earth. But just as he comes to do that and to bring in a new kind of reign and kingdom, but just as he comes, He's going to take away all those who are his own, all those who are saved by the grace of God while they've been on earth. He's going to snatch them away 
from the wrath that is coming. And when he comes, he won't be alone. He'll be with all his holy ones. And the ordering of all that will be seen in chapter 4 when we come to that next time. So, till he comes, or till he returns or calls me home, isn't that a song? Till he comes, returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. We can stand for God in an age that is opposed to the teachings of his word. And more and more, as the days go on, there is an exposure, there is an explosion of things in this world that are contrary to God's mind. And we need to stand against it. But in standing, we have the power of God with us. And we have the hope of his coming again. Now, I can't tell you when he's coming. I, I'm not one of, I'm exposing myself here. I'm not one of those who believe that he could come today. But I know that he's coming before he judges the world. He will be, the scripture says in chapter 1, he will be our deliverer from the wrath to come. So it seems it's in juxta, juxtaposition where he's coming but he rescues us from the wrath to come. And so we can rejoice in that today. In chapter 3, we can live in consecration to God where we keep the faith, where we have a firm standing in the Lord where, verse 9, we're defending the truth of the gospel. In verse 13, where we're living righteously. And in verse 12, where our love overflows for each other. Not only for each other as Christians, but our love overflows for others in this world. Let's be encouraged in that. Let's be about the Lord's business. And let's expect his blessing, his well done. May he strengthen your hearts, verse 13 says. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in, his pre in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy. It's a promise. It will be fulfilled. And thank God we can be rescued. We will be rescued. Those who are the Lord. Rescued from the wrath that is coming. We think that nuclear bombs or other things like that will be catastrophic on earth. And they would be. 
But nothing is going to be like when the Lord comes and his wrath is poured out upon this earth. So rejoice, rejoice, rejoice that we are the Lord's and we are assured of a deliverance out of this world before the wrath of God falls. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity of being together to contemplate the richness of the things that are revealed in your word, how we can consider one another and move into their situation and to um, be able to be near to them or to write to them or to pray for them that we might be able to encourage one another until our Lord returns. We ask your blessing. Keep us in this week, we pray, and all that is before us, and consider what great things God has done for us and what great things God will do for us in the day that is coming. We give thanks together in Jesus' name. Amen.